0: Well done. I know some of you are here for an inductive Bible study class, which is always a little bit scary when you preach on those weeks because I know that we can go back and have discussions about the preacher of the day. (laughs) At least I did that. But I will do one real quick review of that moment. was something that uh, it jumped out at me. You know, they always say do a quick reading and kind of things that pop out, start looking at them. They can be trails that are no good. They can be trails that are very good. But one that popped out in that reading when it was done out loud was Smart Mouth College. That, that, that jumped out to me. I'm glad it didn't say Smart Mouth Seminary, but that was, that was, that was good. But I digress. Um, today I want to talk about the depth of faith. The depth of faith. And one of the things I've been reflecting on in this time and in this season is how the world that we live in loves everything instant. Have you noticed that? Everything instant. Now, 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 boom. Um, one of the things I thought about was and I will say, sometimes when I travel, um, I do like things instant. Um, one of the things I've noticed in restaurants now is that you can do mobile orders. You can—they'll tell you the time. You walk in, your order's there. You pick it up, you pay. Or even if you—the ones that are really good—you've already paid. You've set that up. You go in, show the number, and you go. And it's instant in everything. And I'm wondering, in the society that we're living in, is if we'll lose the time of a meal and gathering around people, if we'll ever come in and someday. We will have restaurants that are simply not restaurants where we would sit. And our children, our grandchildren will look at us and say, people actually sat down and had meals? They really did that? Why aren't they eating in cars? Why aren't they eating at their office desks? Why aren't they eating in some other places? And I think we're losing something in society around this ability to have instant everything. And so that's kind of a shadow, if I want to say that, or a kind of a cloud. Not a cloud, something that's a little bit over this message is that We live in a world that covets, that desires, that has even edified and glorified the instant. And there's some things in life you're just going to have to pay the price and work at every day. Okay? And this scripture is a great reminder of that. And I say this, too, as a reminder of you as all as seminary students, many of you are starting on this journey. Remember that this journey in seminary is not about deadlines, about papers, and about getting tasks completed. It's so much more than that. Because we live in this world of instantaneous, sometimes we just want to get the paper done. We just want the reading to be over. Seriously, 1,500 pages of reading? And sometimes we want to put that aside. But I want to remind you today, it's not about being fast and about being quick and about being instant. It's also about us taking the time to be shaped by God in this journey. If it takes you three years to do your degree, four years, five years, we'll give you ten, okay? It's all right. It's all right. I think sometimes the world wants to say, say to us, it took you ten years When the other way should be, no, it was you and God walking in this journey, right? And God had experiences and learnings for you in this time. And it wasn't about you getting across and getting your diploma. It was about God molding and shaping you into the woman or man of God that God wants you to be. Please do not forget that. I know one of the challenges that I had when I was here, it was all about speed, speed, speed. And I remember I had some good faculty members who sat me down and said, Eric, slow down and take this in. The church you're in now, you're serving, and the church will be there when you're done. But right now, this is an important moment for you to be shaped by God. Utilize it. Don't make it about the task. Don't make it about really what I was just saying, the instant, but rather be molded and shaped in this. And I hope you will hold that close. I know in my own life, I sometimes find that challenge in the world that I live in my work. I want things now, and I'm not thinking about the big picture. So be mindful of that today. While you're here at seminary, breathe, slow down, process, and think about what God has for you. We're going to look at Psalms chapter one. And part of this, I've been camping out here. I've slowed down in my Bible readings. used to be I was task oriented. My children asked me here uh, last couple of days, they said, Dad, how often have you ever read through the Bible? And I said, I've read through the Bible four or five times completely in a pattern where I just started and said, okay, I'm going to read through it. But I've been sensing in my walk and journey here in the last few months where God just said, Eric, I want you to read through the Psalms, but I want you just to kind of stop and camp out. And I'm not going to give you a timeline. I wanna speak to you through these verses, and when we're done together, then it'll be time to move on to the next chapter. And I think there was a sense in my life where God was saying, Eric, you've been so involved in the instant, so involved in the quick, so involved in completing a task, you're missing things that I have for you. And so over the last month, I've actually just stopped and been reading over and over in my devotional time, Psalm chapter one, and the verses through there, and specifically verses 1 through 3. And letting that speak to me as part of that. And so part of this message today is my own devotional journey, things that I've been processing, things that I've been thinking about in my own life that I thought that I wanted to share with you. And I think about that in the, in the avenue of community and the means of grace and the moment of what community looks like, because if we have become a society that's so about instantaneous then what does our community look like is it all about time management and the process or is it really about the people and stopping and walking together what does that look like in our community so let's pray and then we'll dig in and start moving through god you are here but i just want to acknowledge you god i pray right now that you would give me clarity of thought give me your spirit to speak your words and not my own. And I pray God that you would help each person here to have hearts and ears attentive to what you would speak to them, whatever it is. You've brought us here together as a community to speak to us, not for me to be the person speaking, but to be the person that shares some things that you've been sharing in my own life to share with this group as a community. And it's a unique moment. And so now god we just ask that you would speak to all of us and we know that you're here moving and working through and we acknowledge you in jesus name amen i want to focus on three different sentences or phrases i'm in this i won't read it through The reading was so great but if you want to read it later you can go back and read psalms chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 and read it in the nrsv that's where i'm reading from and the phrases that i'm using But the first one that I want to look at today is does not walk in step with the wicked. Does not walk in step with the wicked. Let me ask a few questions as we start this. Who are you walking alongside today? Who are your companions in the trail of life? Let me ask you, who are the people you tend to spend time with? Do they edify glorify, and chase after God? Or are, they se- or, or are they seeking something else for your life and for your community that you lead? How do you spend your time? And you see, they can be people. They can also be TV shows that you're wa- watching. They can be the latest books that you're reading. Who are the groups, people, entities that you're allowing to speak into your life? Over the last month in my time alone with God and kind of camping out in here, God has been speaking to me and doing an audit in my life on the areas that I'm allowing for people to speak into me and saying, are these groups, people, readings, really the place that I should be allowing investment into my life and pouring into my life and evaluating them? Because at the end of the day, if they're not edifying, glorifying, living out, if you want to say, the mission of God, should we really be allowing them entree to the most intimate parts of our life, our mind, soul, and spirit? It's a question that I've been pondering for myself. You know, I think about my time in leadership in the church when I was a pastor, and as and, and as full time. And when I first went there, I had a bad case of rescuing everyone. Pastors love to rescue, right? We love to rescue people. And we need to remember that's Jesus, not us, but anyway, story for another day, or take PC 510 Pastoral Care. We'll we'll do a deep dive on that. But for the first couple of years when I was in the church, I was trying to rescue everyone. And specifically, I would go and spend time with people who were critical of the church, critical of our leadership, critical of all kinds of different scenarios. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way here in a few moments, but I want to spend here a little bit of time just on this area, just for a moment. But I would try and go and rescue, and I was spending time with them. And here's what I found in my spirit, is it was killing me by spending so much time with them. And I realized also that I had people who really wanted to know God, who really wanted to be discipled and who really wanted to grow. But you know what was happening in my relationship with them? I wasn't spending time with them. And I was frustrating both groups. And then I looked at the scriptures and started to study and look at where Jesus spent his time. He spent his time with people who who were willing to follow and chase after God. Yes, they had all kinds of warts. Yes, they had all kinds of problems. But at the end of the day, they raised their hand and said, I wanted to follow Christ. And that's who Jesus spent his time with. And so I said, okay, i got to recalibrate. I need to be careful who I'm walking with because these people are not going to help us accomplish our mission for this church. If all they want to do is be critical about certain things, a certain way things are being done or being said, or they wanted to say I didn't wear the right tie that Sunday or whatever it was, that was not going to move the mission of Christ. And I had to recalibrate and change how I was doing leadership. My first three years of leadership were a lot was a lot of frustration. The next three years, when I adjusted to that, did the naysayers go away? No. Did I just blow them off? No. But I watched the time and managed it differently and started investing into, into the discipleship of people who really were interested and sincere and wanting to follow Christ. And it changed the dynamics of my ministry and changed the dynamics of our youth ministry because it just it breathed new life and new air people, it's really important about who's influencing you. If it's not God's word, and you're a pastor, I don't know what to say to myself, and I don't know what to say to you. But we need to make sure we're doing an audit of the people that are investing in our lives and making sure that they are people that are edifying, glorifying, and going to help us grow towards Christ. The next one is delight is in the law of the Lord. Delight is in the law of the Lord. I spoke about this the last few minutes, but who are you learning from? Who do you go for? Who do you go to for information, growth for your mind and soul? Who do you trust to provide you with what you need in life? Do we as people delight in God's word? the people around you, would they know you for something else or would they know you for the love of God's word? I wonder about that as a dad. I wonder my children, when they look at me, do they see that I not only have respect for God's word and say it's important to go to church and all those different things, but do they also see modeled in our home a person who loves God's word? Or do they see something else? I think back to my teenage years, I love sports. If you came into my office, you'd see a couple of things. You'd see a basketball there. Don't hold it against me. Steve and I, we get along very well. We like the Tar Heel Nation in basketball. If you're a Duke fan, I'm sorry. I pray for you. If you're a UK fan, if you're watching online, I pray for you as well. But when I was a teenager, I knew all the stats. And I love football. And specifically pray for me because this year, this team, they're going 0-16. They're going to be the only team ever to go perfect with wins and perfect with losses the dolphins, but I knew every statistic about Dan Marino that you could ever know. And there's a point in my relationship with God where I was convicted where I knew more stats than I knew scripture. There's something wrong with the picture. If you know whatever is the latest of whatever whatever better than you know the scriptures, I'm not trying to preach conviction. I'm saying let God's word speak to you what is your delight in? My delight was in the latest statistics. I would be just glad to get those magazines when they come out, and I'd rattle all those stats off. But then when my mom faced cancer, does Dan Marino's statistics really work? No, it doesn't. And I'm not picking on Dan Marino. Great for him, good for him. But I think you get my point in this, right? What is your delight? Where do you spend your time? What and who are you a student of? Is it God's word? It's more than an academic experience. It's also a life-giving experience to be a student and a person who delights God's word. Um, I heard this 30 years ago, and I believe it's true today. I heard it in one of my first missions experiences, I went on with an organization I went with, and one of the leaders said this about the Bible, speaking of the Bible, this book, speaking of the Bible, will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. Let me say this again. This book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. I think this touches at the heart of the issue. Consistently coming to the scriptures will sooner or later, God is going to speak to us about areas in our lives. This word is living. It speaks to us today. The question is, are we listening and then applying it to our lives? From my perspective and from where I've grown up and from my life experience is that this book is alive. If it's dead, I'm done today, folks. I walk away from it. I do. This book is alive. It speaks to us. It speaks to our heart. It speaks to our condition. It speaks to every issue in our lives. And so I am challenged over this last month about, Eric, am I delighting in the word of God? And I say this to you today. What about you? Are you delighting in the word of God? Are you known as a person who holds to the preeminence and the life-giving wonder of the scriptures today? Because if we do, we're going to be known. And you see that in verse 3. And you see a tree planted by the streams of water. And that's the next phrase. A tree planted by the streams of water. I love this imagery of a tree planted by water. The picture of this tree that I have in mind is one that is vibrant, life-giving, full of shade, a place of rest, growing. I've seen them where I grew up in the northeast in eastern Canada along the rivers and you see those beautiful maple trees and you see them planted there by the rivers and they're just gorgeous. They're beautiful when they're in full bloom in the summer and they have that little bit of a breeze going through them and you see them and you say, that's a place where I want to sit and spend and be with. And in the fall, they have the beautiful leaves and all the colors and the vibrancy that comes with that what about us? When people look at our lives, do they see a person who is vibrant, life-giving, and full of shade? Do they see someone planted and rooted? I understand life can take it out of us. I understand that. This world is not easy. Work, family, church, health, life in general. We live in a time that just wants to provide us with information overload. We have things coming at us from all directions and part of why it started with that instantaneous side of things is that over and over we go to our iPhones or whatever smartphone we have and it's instant everything. It's just click 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 and we overload us and overload us and overload us. Do we slow down and breathe. And stop and let God speak to us and allow us to be people who are planted and rooted. Right now, what the world needs to see, what our society needs to see in the United States, and I'm originally from Canada, Canada as well, is they need to see rooted and planted people in the scriptures. Because we have people going all different directions. All different directions, across the board. Read it for what it is. I'm just, I'm just, And we need people, when they look at us, they say, there's a person who has a foundation. I want that. You see, when I look at church history, it's all over. When revivals have happened, when movements of Christ happened, it was people who said, I stand on God's word. And from there, I live my life. Take it or leave it, it's okay. It's okay. But I just believe that this is a truth place. And when that's happened... Our movement is marked by that in the Wesleyan movement. If you want to look at the other movements, are we people who are planted trees? And are we plugged in to the word of God? Um, Right now I'm teaching my son. He's playing baseball. He loves baseball. Pray for me. It's not the sport that I picked up. I played basketball, but he played baseball. and one of the things I've been working with Jacob is he's learning to pitch and, and he's smaller sized, he's a, he's a small guy and it's a little bit of a distance thing for him to, to learn and so I've been working with him on how to pitch because the coach this year wants everybody to pitch. And so he's he's like dad will you work with me I said sure. And so the way that I taught myself how to pitch because I was like an only child. Um, I had a I got a plywood board and built a strike zone and I used to throw at that all the time I did it with a tennis ball because obviously he didn't want to break the plywood, but also get used to the weight, all the different things, and get into a rhythm of the right motion, all that. And so I'm teaching Jacob the same thing. Got him a piece of plywood, we have backed it up, built a strike zone, and working on it. Jacob's got great form. He's, he's a natural athlete, something that I know nothing about, but he's just a natural athlete. He's got the form, but there's one thing that he, I've got to work with him on, and it's the focus. And it's the side of closing out all the background noise, all those things, that are around when you go to pitch. He's eight years old. And so he's worried about all kinds of different things. And what I was telling him when he gets ready to pitch, I said, Jacob, focus on the strike zone. That little zone that I've marked out, pretend that's like the catcher's mitt and pitch to that that strike zone and focus on that. That's where your focus needs to be. Focus on it and close out all these other distractions. And I've been working with them on that. And then what I did is I added a little bit is I put myself in the batter's box, a pretend batter's box. That was a whole new thing, right? Dad's there. He now he's worried about hitting me with a tennis ball. I have him pitching with a tennis ball for a reason. Tennis balls, they can hurt, but not he's not the strength yet. If it was a hard ball, doesn't matter his age. It's gonna hurt. But I have him with a tennis ball for a reason. But when I went in there, as I said, Jacob, block out all the background noise, close it all out, and just focus with laser focus at that strike zone. And so Jacob's been working on that. And he has to continually work at it over and over. The same is for us. If we want to follow the mission Christ has for us and have laser focus about it, we have to close out all the background noise around us. The only way that's going to happen is by delighting ourselves in God's word and planting ourselves in it. If we chase something else and try to live this Christian life, and try to follow the mission of God, it will not happen if we're not a student continually of his word, of God's word. It won't happen for us. So this message today is just a reminder. I would categorize it if you wanna know this, is kind of like when you go in for an oil change, and you're looking at indicators. This is one of these things where you can use as a roadmap to say, how are you doing your indicators? Over the last month, God has been kind of doing a one-month-long oil change, probably longer. We're saying, Eric, who are you spending time with? Who are you allowing to invest in you? Eric, do you really delight in this word? When people look at you, do they see a tree that's planted, or do they see something else? And it's been to me. And so for you today, I pray that you will be a person who delights in the word, in the law and that you will be a tree planted by the stream and you won't be a person who sits with mockers. We have enough of them in the world. But we need those people planted. Let me pray for you. And I'll turn it back to Jeff.